Listener discretion is advised. This audio may not be suitable for all audiences. Welcome back to yet another episode of Paranormal Artist. If you're new here, my name is Alex. Sometimes I'll have a friend over to do a story with or two. Sometimes I won't. It depends on what I'm talking about. And mainly my schedule. So here I'm bringing... So here I'm bringing you guys part two of the weird little Reddit stories that I'm doing in honor of the holidays. And yes, of course, I'm going to give them credit. (laughs) I have done absolutely nothing. I was actually supposed to do this yesterday, but I decided that watching horror movies was going to be the better way to do it all. That was what I decided to spend my Saturday doing. So now here I am on Sunday having just woke up an hour ago from a, like, five-hour nap. (laughs) It's been a very productive weekend. Luckily, I got all these stories together ahead of time because I was not expecting myself to not want to do anything this weekend. Should I be surprised? Probably not. But I am, actually. In fact, I'm so tired today that I even debated recording today. But here we are. We're just going to go for it. Because I know the longer I put this out, or procrastinate on this, I should say, the longer I procrastinate, the worse it'll be for me. And then I'll be stressed out. So I guess we're just going to jump into it. Of course, I'm keeping up the... uh, Reddit stories for the holidays because that's just what I want to (laughs) do. I don't know if there's going to be a part three just yet. I haven't decided that. For now, we'll say that this is the final part of the Reddit stories for the year. And we'll probably get back into some spooky things. Not saying that these aren't spooky. But... We'll get back into the glitches, aliens, and haunts just in a few days. I don't know what I'm going to do. I have some notes written for a couple of different areas that I would like to talk about. And maybe even by the end of this, I will know exactly what I'm going to talk about. (laughs) I might actually stick around to some Texan haunts for a couple of weeks just because there is a lot of places in this massive state that I live in. And, you know, sooner or later, winter is actually going to come to Texas and I'm not going to want to go outside. So the stories might get interesting. Who knows? Who's to say? But for now, I think we're going to do these reddit stories i think i should stop rambling on and just let's get into it after i said that like a minute ago (laughs) have you ever stayed in a hotel you know one that just didn't pass the vibe check one that just fell off from the minute that you set foot in there maybe even the second you parked your car you ever had that feeling before? I can't say that I have. 
I've stayed in several hotels, but none of them really sent chills down my spine. None of them ever really made me question whether or not this is a place I'd want to stay. However, for these people, <laughs> they weren't quite so lucky. Hotels, they're interesting. Many people stay there. Many people die there. Many people only rent it for one night, maybe even a few hours, if you know what I mean. So there's energy in these hotels. There's so many different kinds of energies running through the hotels. So many different people, whether they have good intentions or bad intentions, stay in these hotels. And every day, tourists, vacationers from all over the world rent these rooms looking for a small comfort away from home. Some people get that. But these people that I'm talking about today did not get that luxury. <laughs> so I jumped on Ask Reddit the other day to find some odd encounters in hotels. I was not disappointed. Some of these people have had some fucked encounters. <laughs> you know, it just makes me not want to travel anymore, but uh, we all know that that's a lie on my part. Here's the story. About 22 years ago, my then-girlfriend and I were on a nowhere-in-particular-to-go road trip. I think we were somewhere in Nebraska. It was one of those states that seems to be about 90% corn. We stopped somewhere for the night at this little podunk motel that only had about five or six rooms available because we were tired and needed to stop. We'd been driving for almost two days, switching back and forth, mostly not stopping. It was late when we went in and girlfriend started walking towards the reception room. She stopped and called out for me to come with her. I was looking around at the sketchy fall-down place. There's a dude at the desk inside, and he is huge, terrifyingly so. I'm no slouch in the big guy department either. This guy towered over me by about 10 or 12 inches, which would have made him at least 7 foot tall and probably had 100 to 150 pounds on me. And he looked like he was extruded from some sort of tree. So we walk in and ask for a room. The guy smiles, nods, writes some things on the desk, takes my cash and hands us a key. There are TVs on the desk, four or five of them, like stereotypical CCTV displays from the 80s. I look down, <laughs> I look down and only notice one screen because it is pornographic. More on this. The guy is wearing jogging pants and clearly has an erection. I take the key and we go outside. Girlfriend is short and didn't see over the desk, so didn't see the porn. The porn was weird. I think it was of questionable legality. 
there were a number of youngish women who looked about mid-teen years working out in a gymnasium, nude. They were vaguely robotic looking, as if they were acting badly. I took in only about 8 to 10 seconds of the porn, but the images have stuck with me over the years. We were both very, very creeped out when we discussed this in our room. I leaned our very large suitcases up against the door and put a vase on the suitcase so that if the door were to open, the vase would fall. I also rigged the windows with some plastic cups, so if the windows were opened, the cups would squish and make some noise. Girlfriend and I both showered, then we conked out on the bed about 11.45. a.m., I wake up. I'm groggy. I don't really know what's happening, just feel weird. I decide to grab a quick drink and get some ice from the foyer. Big dude is not around. I decide to look over at the CCTVs on the desk, see what's what, because they're still on. The one screen still has the same porn. One screen is showing surveillance from the parking lot. One screen is showing surveillance from inside our room. Girlfriend is fast asleep. I leave, go pack up the car quick, pick up girlfriend, put her in the car still asleep, and get the fuck out of there. There are a couple things that have always stuck with me that still give me the creeps when I think about it. The guy, he was so big and solid looking. He never actually said any words, as far as I can remember. He just looked beatific the whole time. The porn was so weird, non-sexual. Just vaguely underage-ish looking girls on exercise bikes and lifting barbells. Looking at the camera and realizing that someone had watched us fucking sleep. If we hadn't been so crazy tired from all the driving, it would have been more. <laughs> well, watch out for cameras in your hotel rooms. People say that all the time. Cameras are sneaky nowadays. Cameras can come in any sort of size you can imagine. Some can come as outlets. They look like outlets. Some can be as small as the little TV thing that you point the remote at. I don't know what the fuck it's called. Don't come at me. But cameras can come in any fucking size in these hotel rooms. And it's disturbing to think that somebody might be watching you while you sleep or do other things. Honestly, people are just fucking weird. You know, I don't see why we need to have fucking cameras everywhere. And this dude that's sitting at the fucking front desk just like watching nude girls working out. I don't know how I feel about that. That's <laughs> That's just, that's just a weird, like, if you have a fetish like that, by all means, you go for it. You do you. Just maybe try not to have an erection and, like, try not to fucking be at work watching it. <laughs> that's crazy. That That's beyond, completely beyond. I am still fucking shooketh by this story, just in the slightest. It's been a couple days since I recorded because I just could not get my fucking life together for whatever reason. Um, you can probably tell in the tone of my voice that I'm in a much better mood. 
because I'm not feeling fucking lazy. <laughs> so I do have actual set in stone plans for the next couple of episodes now. I'm not saying anything. That's all you get to know. <laughs> but um, still on the Reddit thing, I have three more stories for you guys. You know, each one I feel like gets a little bit more intense. So I should have put a big trigger warning on that first one because that one was that one was pretty pretty bad for what I typically post. But you know, I assume that we're all grown and that you're not letting your under eighteen children listen to this. So there we are. So here's the next one. This is also from Ask Reddit because fucking Ask Reddit just has some completely unhinged shit for me that I just really enjoy. Excuse me for not being an amazing storyteller, but this is definitely a true story. Not me specifically, but my mother used to work at a hotel back in the 90s as a housekeeper since she needed money because a refugee from Vietnam. Even though she didn't know much English at the time, she knew enough to get by at her job, and all the other staff and hotel guests loved her because of how sweet she was. Because of this, any time high-profile guests, such as the Backstreet Boys, would stay at the hotel, the manager always sent my mom to clean the room, since she was good at it. Anyways, one day a guest came, who we will refer to him as Mr. M because I don't know his real name, and checked into their most expensive suite. As usual, the manager told my mom to go take care of his room. As soon as she got there, there was a do not disturb sign, so she told the manager she would come back later. What was weird was that no one was ever allowed in his room. The man stayed there for over a month, and not one time did he let staff come in to clean. However, he paid a lot, and he gave a warm welcome to everyone every time he passed a staff member. So no one paid him any attention. Then one day, people didn't see him anymore, so they assumed he checked out, even though the receptionist had no account of this. Since it had been so long since the room was cleaned and the Do Not Disturb sign wasn't on the door anymore, the manager told my mom to go check it out and try to clean up what she could. As she got to the floor and unlocked the door to the room, a disturbing smell hit her. She couldn't figure out what it was, but she continued to survey the room, which was disgustingly messy. Her words were that it looked like someone had thrown a rave, even though no other guests seemed to have ever gone in the room besides Mr. M. It had looked like Mr. M had deserted the place without telling anyone. Anyways, my mom was still shocked by the smell, so she tried to track it down. As she followed the smell, she could tell it was coming from the hotel room closet. When she opened the closet, there was nothing but a cardboard box on the ground from which the smell was resonating from. In the moment, from being a housekeeper, my mother's first instinct was to open the box and see what it was and clean or throw it out. When she opened the box, 
What she saw scarred her to this day. It was the rotting, decomposing head of a young woman chopped off. Immediately, my mother screamed and got out of there, where she fainted in the elevator. Once she woke up, cops were everywhere, and the hotel was like a CSI scene. The manager told her that Mr. M wasn't his real name, and that he used a fake credit card to check in. The head of the woman was identified to be a girl, sex worker, type person. I don't know much more, and any nitty-gritty details, but I'm sure one can look it up on the internet for more information. Needless to say, my mom quit that day. You know, that's pretty crazy for it being a high-end, like, ritzy hotel. <laughs> that's rough. That's fucking rough. I would not know what to say if I encounter. I mean, I have encountered my fair share of bodies because of jobs, not because of anything sketchy before anybody jumps to conclusions. Just because of a job I worked. That's why. But if I were to come across like a fucking true crime scene, I would actually just fucking flee. I don't know if I would even fucking think of calling 911. I don't know if I would think of doing anything other than just like getting the hell away from there as soon as possible and praying that I don't get framed accidentally because I touched the fucking box. Which, uh, in the case of this mom, I really hope that she was not like brought in as a suspect or, <laughs> or anything um, for contaminating. Well, you know, I don't know how it would work. I mean, her fingerprints were there because she touched the stuff unless she had gloves on. I'm not really sure what the whole protocol for cleaning up a room is at a, at a hotel being as I've never worked at one. So I'm hoping that the mother never had to go to the police station for anything other than like witness saying thing like a witness uh, testimony or whatever. I would immediately just drop off the face of the earth if I saw something like that. Like, you know, there's horror movies and then there's fucking, like, true crime stuff that you just... Some things you can't unsee. At least a horror movie, I'm gonna fucking forget about it unless it's The Exorcist. And all of you know how I feel about The Exorcist. <laughs> I won't watch it. I refuse to. I have seen plenty of films that are, like, similar. But for some reason, The Exorcist is definitely one that I will stay away from for as long as I live. And that definitely includes Pope's exorcism. And, you know, I probably should be just paranoid like that when I'm watching, like, the Conjuring movies, but uh, for some reason it doesn't terrify me nearly as much as that fucking particular movie does. I don't know. But I really hope that the mother in this story didn't, you know, have any other, like, bullshit to deal with after the <laughs> finding of the body part. Oh, uh, that's awful. I wonder how long it was in there that it was already smelling like decomp. That's pretty rough. That is pretty fucking rough. Anyway, moving on. We all know that one of my favorite subreddits is uh, Creepy Encounters. I fucking love Creepy Encounters. I mean, that's... Okay, that sounded weird. The subreddit. I like the subreddit. <laughs> because there's, like, barely some interesting stories in there that just... I'm glad I'm not these people. I'm just glad I'm not these fucking people, because that is fucking horrid. So anyway, this one is apparently... You know, I... 
Hotels are so fucked. It was April of 2008. I was 20 and living in Denver for a year-long work contract with a nonprofit in Boulder. My girlfriend, now wife, and my best friend Tim drove to Colorado from our home state to visit me for my 21st birthday. The nonprofit I was working for housed their workers in dorm rooms and drinking was not allowed on site, nor were visitors allowed to stay overnight. So I booked a hotel in downtown Denver for the weekend where we could drink in honor of my 21st. The hotel was big, very nice, and in a safe central area of the city. So nice, in fact, that it was the same hotel that most of the politicians would later stay at during the DNC convention of 2008 that took place in Denver later that summer. My wife and Tim arrived Saturday morning and we all met up at the hotel. The day was fantastic. We drank across the city most of the day. By about 1 a.m., we got back to the hotel. The room was typical, with two queen beds. Bed number one was close to a big window, looking out across the city. Bed number two was pushed against the wall, with a door that opened to the bathroom. You couldn't see the door or entryway to our room unless you were at the foot of bed number one. We drank more and chatted in the room until about 4 a.m. My wife was laying at the head of bed number two, flipping through the TV. Tim and I were seated at the foot of bed number one, staring out the window as we talked. As we talked, I heard some movement and the sound of a door opening. Without looking away from the window, I assumed it was my wife getting up to use the bathroom. A few minutes passed by, and I thought I heard movement again, so I finally turned around to look. I saw my wife still lounging on bed number two, as she had been. Did you get up a few minutes ago and use the bathroom? I asked her. No, she replied. I thought I heard a door, I said back to her, <laughs> with her just looking confused at me. Yeah, I thought I heard that too, Tim said, breaking his own gaze from the window. It was then I started to run cold and sobered up pretty quickly. Very softly, I heard Tim say, I think there's someone in our room. I lurched forward from the foot of the bed to look in the pitch-black entryway. I could barely make it out, and I wanted to believe I wasn't seeing it. But there was a man, dressed in all black, with a black baseball cap pressed into the 90-degree corner of the entryway, where the room and the door and the wall met. Absolute silence fell over the room, and it felt like hours passed by as I started to panic in my mind, like no way. I ever have in my entire life. We all knew. We knew we weren't alone and hadn't been for a while. And he knew we spotted him. Eventually, Tim got the courage to meekly speak in the direction of the entryway and said, Hey man, is there something we can help you out with? Another period of silence fell like an eternity went by. He slumped off the edge of the wall, a little into the light, and made eye contact with Tim and I. We all just stared at each other. Then eventually he spoke up and said, Is this room 1709? No, man, it's not, Tim said, stroking his beard nervously. He stared at us for a while longer, raising his eyebrows and shaking his head. 
He then turned around and left. We erupted into a million curse words and paced around the room. I called the front desk. They told me that he was drunk and they found him in the stairwell, but directed him back to the right room. Minutes later, Tim called the front desk and they told him he was not a guest. He was apprehended in the stairwell and taken into police custody. Then, a while later, they told my wife he disappeared and they had no idea who he was or what he was doing. They told her there wasn't even a room 1709 in the hotel. We got three different stories. We still have no idea what that was all about, or how he managed to get a key card to our room. We were sure the door was closed. It was easily the most terrifying moment of my life. Always use the latch in hotel rooms. We got the stay refunded and about $200 in credit for food from the hotel. We should have sued, but we were young and dumb. Yeah, that's uh, very, 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 very unsettling. <laughs> uh, me being me, I would probably just like, bruh, what the fuck? That, that I don't, you know, honestly, my stomach would probably just like drop like that. Because who's to know what this dude's intentions are or what he's thinking about doing or not doing, you know, because he's just fucking menacingly standing in the fucking corner. It's terrifying. That is definitely terrifying. That's probably one of the scariest stories that I have today because, and yes, I said today because today is a, it is pretty scary. I can't imagine like you're just relaxed and... You're not thinking about doing anything, doing anything, you're just fucking chilling and all of a sudden your door opens and some freak is standing in your doorway. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know, that, that's definitely a creepy encounter. Um, thankfully, there's no update to be had for this one, other than the fact that they should have sued, but they were young and dumb. <laughs> yep, we've all been there. But you know, you have to be careful in fucking hotels because dude, just... Some of the shit that I've heard and some of the stories I've heard and I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> We're going to move on now again. So here's number four. This is from the paranormal subreddit. I know we've been waiting for this one. It's been a minute being as I'm kind of slacking a little bit. <laughs> so paranormal finally living up to what I actually love. I mean, I love all things creepy and weird and whatever, but you know what I mean. Do not book the corner rooms for hotels. I have two stories to share. Let me start with explaining why most corner rooms in the hotel are the most haunted places. In our culture, we always believe that the corner rooms must be avoided in any hotel due to the fact that they are the least populated visited areas by humans since they don't walk towards the end of the hallway often. Thus, spirits have that space to themselves without much disturbance. Starting with my personal story, back in 2017, me and my mother visited Korea and went to Jeju Island. I don't know if I said that right. I'm sorry. We stayed in a pretty new hotel. 
It was spacious and big, and the price was rather cheap for a four-star hotel. Upon our dismay, we were allocated to the corner room. Thinking it was a new hotel, me and my mum brushed off any unpleasant feelings and checked into our room. It was pretty late at night, around 11 p.m. when we checked in. In Chinese beliefs, when checking into the hotel room, always knock on the door and politely tell any spirits inside, if there are any, that we're merely staying for a few days and will not disturb them. Flush the toilet immediately upon entering, and also place our shoes in a messy manner. We did everything. However, upon entering the room, we felt really drained and uncomfortable. We received two keys in a card format, one for electrical usage in the room, one for the door key. My mother put the card on the table, and we started unpacking. To our horror, after unpacking and wanting to go to the convenience store to buy some snacks, the keys have disappeared and was not on the table anymore. My mother immediately started blaming me for misplacing them, and we spent a good 20 to 30 minutes arguing, flipping the whole room for the key. When we were about to give up, the key sort of magically appeared at the same spot on the table again. No way we would have missed that. It was right smack in the middle of the table. Also, we realized that the beverages in the fridge were all half-drank. Not sure if the hotel staff didn't change it or it was linked to anything supernatural. The feeling in the room... The feeling in the room was still particularly ominous, so we decided to check our asses out of the room. I called the receptionist hotline with the phone provided by them in the room, and all I heard was static sounds. In the end... We packed everything and went down to reception for a request for a room change. The next room we checked into didn't have any ominous or heavy feelings as compared to the prior room. And we had a good, comfortable stay overall. You know, that kind of makes sense. I don't think that I've ever had a corner room of any hotel now that I'm thinking about it. But hotels are creepy enough. You know, sometimes you'll walk into a hotel hallway and it's just like weird silence. If you're lucky, sometimes you'll hear like kids screaming. But, you know, for the most part, it's just like a long, empty corridor and there's no talking. It's always dead ass silent. And I have to wonder, like, what the fuck? And I, I, you know, I, God, I've never, I've had the room close to the um what do you call it the corner like one or two rooms away but nothing more never the exact corner so i can't say for sure whether or not i believe that the corner rooms are haunted i do believe however that every hotel room has a form of energy not that i can pick up on it i just believe because there's so many people that go in and out and if there's a haunted hotel, who's to say that the energy is all together of people saying that this is haunted has not itself produced a haunting. And I forgot what the term for that's called, but I it is a thing. And I will probably address it in the next in the next story or the next uh episode. That way I can kind of 
keep myself uh, fresh with this. Actually, I have to write stuff down everywhere so that I remember. But it's pretty much this phenomena where everybody's thinking the same thing and you put like a certain energy out and somehow some way the energy can cause paranormal events to happen and i've been fascinated by it but right now i cannot think for the life of me what the fucking term is but it's interesting to see from a different culture's perspective of superstitions that they do when entering a hotel room which (laughs) that's pretty cool I often don't know a whole lot of, like, different cultures, superstitions like that. And I might end up doing an entire fucking episode on just, like, superstitions. Like, this is Chinese uh, etiquette to go into a hotel room to not disturb the spirits. I think that's pretty cool. No lie. So, this story has a second part to it. Another encounter in a hotel, somebody's friend... Or this narrator's friend. So I'm just going to go on with that. Next story from my friend. Let's call her Giselle. Giselle went to Perth in a school trip and was paired with Lindy to be her, her hotel roommate. Unfortunately, they got the corner room. Giselle was strongly against it as her dad was a medium and has always advised her to stay away from corner rooms or if the room made her feel uncomfortable. She immediately felt cold and uncomfortable in the room upon entering, but tried to shrug it off. Giselle and Lindy turned the TV on, and to their dismay, everything came up... (laughs) And to their dismay, everything that came up on the TV was horror shows. That's my kind of TV. They started to feel creeped out, because no matter how many channels they changed, it was all horror shows and previews. What broke the camel's back was when they checked on their water supply. They all received a full water bottle from the school, since they had to compete in a choir competition, and it was essential to finish the water at the designated timings. And the water bottle only had half of the water left. Neither of them had touched or drank any of the water, but it was only half filled for both bottles. They were 100% sure and adamant that they received the full bottle of water. They were unable to change the brooms despite telling their teacher in charge. Thus, they packed their shit up and crashed in other people's room. End of story. It's not really something I would consider paranormal but I don't know if they were in the room long enough to like have experienced (laughs) like uh evaporation you know what I mean like how humid was the room was it hot enough to cause water evaporation was it humid enough you know like what was the environment of the room like I can't say that it was paranormal in the slightest it is however weird that (laughs) there were previews for horror movies and horror shows which honestly if i was staying in a corner room and that was my fucking shit to deal with for the night fucking bet i'm down that's awesome but it's just not something that i can determine to be a paranormal event the first story that this person's told however um there are actually some poltergeist events that can happen that will make something disappear 
and then reappear. And again, I don't know the term that I'm looking for, but I promise you it'll come back to me. Because in my other favorite podcast, and that's why we drink, they tell of a story where they had taken off like their glasses, for example. And when they went back to go get them, the fucking glasses were gone. Like, nowhere to be found. They tore the fucking house up. Like, they they looked everywhere they could possibly look to find these glasses. And they were nowhere to be found. Until later on, and the glasses reappeared right where they were originally put. And that right there, I, I think that that's happened to a lot of us. Like, something has disappeared and reappeared. And if you say it hasn't, think really hard. Try to remember. Because that's either a glitch in the fucking matrix, or there is some kind of spirit out there, some kind of energy, that has the ability to just make things disappear. (laughs) I'm trying to think if I've had something like that happen. But then I think, I have nothing but ADHD energy. So, I can put my phone down, and five minutes later completely forget where the fuck it is. (laughs) I've had that happen a couple times. I would like put my phone down and it's like my memory just blanks. So I don't know if that is a thing with and that's why we drink but I remember specifically them telling the story about it or one of them it was either Em or Christine and (laughs) the fucking glasses reappeared and I'm like fuck dude how many times has that actually happened like Legit, how many times has that actually happened to me and I hadn't realized? You know what I mean? So, who's to say that what is happening, what happened in this first story did not actually happen? I mean, God, there are so many things that we do not understand in this world. Zach Bagans, he, yes, Ghost Adventures, he is right on about that. Like, there are so many things we do not understand. But when it comes to shit appearing and disappearing, I'm on board with either a glitch in the Matrix happened or somebody's got some good fucking poltergeist energy built up in that room. Whew, that's cool. That's cool. But the water bottle thing, no idea. Other than, like, natural occurrences and coincidence for the horror movies or horror whatever the fuck was showing. Interesting. Interesting stuff. The paranormal is just so fascinating. So fascinating. I mean, my mom doesn't believe in it, but the rest of us do. (laughs) I've said before, we've got these weird fucking stories from the old house that they lived in. And it's just, like sometimes you just can't wrap your head around it and you know out of all weird things when my brothers were kids and nintendo ds was out we did have a incident where a ds actually did disappear entirely completely gone even when we moved out or when they moved out a a few months ago I thought, okay, you know, we're the house is fucking empty. This thing will appear. It will definitely show up. And no, it didn't show up. So I believe that whatever fucking entity was in there is having a good old time 
playing a white DS that came out way back in the fucking early 2000s to mid 2000s. It's weird. I thought it had disappeared into a sofa. I thought it had gone to the bottom of a closet and was just forever fucking lost. I thought I thought many things. I thought that even my parents may have put it up somewhere that the boys couldn't get it because they were fighting or something like that. I don't know. But when they moved out and I was there helping them pack up and, you know, I really just thought that this thing would appear, but it never did. So call me crazy for thinking it was something paranormal, but that house had enough energy in it to definitely have something crazy happen like that. Or we could think logically and I could say somebody fucking took it. (laughs) But I don't like to think logically like that. So for me, I'm just going to be like, okay, fucking Casper, the unfriendly ghost, the thieving ass ghost took this DS and has had it for the past fucking like, I don't know, 10 years or so. (laughs) But, you know, I'm kind of crazy mentally, whatever. And for all I know, the DS probably accidentally got thrown in the fucking garbage. Who knows? (laughs) So anyway, all jokes aside, I have this last story for you guys. This one's pretty good. This one had me fucking freaked out for a minute. I mean, listen, all of them had me freaked out. All of them did, especially the one where the guy entered the hotel room. That was a fucking creepy ass one. So, this last one, it's also on r slash paranormal, and this one is titled, My Night at the Driscoll Hotel in Austin, Texas. I've heard a lot of stuff about this Driscoll Hotel. I've heard a lot about it, and I am ready, fully prepared to write a very, very in-depth episode about this hotel. Uh, But don't expect it for a minute, because I'm not sure if this will (laughs) be... I'm not sure when I'm going to be putting that episode out. But just know, I have heard of this hotel, I'm aware of this hotel, and I am very familiar with the hauntings. Alright, moving on. My night at the Driscoll Hotel. I'm one of those people who eats, sleeps, and breathes horror. I love macabre ghost stories, and especially historic locations known for their paranormal activity. Same. I have only just begun my journey of staying at as many haunted hotels as possible, but this experience was different than the few I've had thus far. It wasn't my first, And although I have this deep sense of dread as I say it, it certainly won't be my last. My husband, who is on the rocks about most things paranormal and thinks I'm an absolute psychopath, respects and accepts my passion. To celebrate my 28th birthday, he let me know a week before the date that we would be traveling somewhere and staying there for two nights as a surprise. I had a deep feeling in my gut that it would be driving to Austin to stay at the Driscoll Hotel. With that in mind, I packed up my bags and made sure to include my camcorder and tripod, just in case. 
The week slowly crawled by, but we finally found ourselves on the road headed down I-10, and once we hit Interstate 71, I knew we were headed to Austin. Once we made it to the city, we turned on the Brazos Street. The rest was history. We had officially arrived to the infamous Driscoll Hotel. We entered into the Grand Lobby, and there, Colonel Jesse Driscoll stood in darkness, contained within an ornate golden frame. As we carried our suitcases and passed the lonely man, I could see the sadness in his eyes. We took the lift up to the eighth floor to find our room. The hallways were thoughtfully decorated with stunning artwork every three feet or so from each other, and it was clear that the design throughout the structure would have delighted most, if not all, of their political and socialite guests. We stepped into our room, and to my surprise, it was light and airy. Nothing about this room made me feel uneasy. We changed our clothes, unpacked our belongings, and planned to go out for a light meal to kick off the evening. Before leaving the room, I plugged up my camcorder to charge in preparation for our first night. After eating a small meal, we made our way to Joe's coffee shop and watched the soft rain fall onto the pavement around us as we patiently waited for the tour to begin. We thought we might be the only ones on the tour considering the weather was not ideal. And of course, the reality of the pandemic being the backdrop of everywhere we went. But to our surprise, it was a full house. There were a handful of other couples, two families with small children, and a pair of friends. We first discussed the Frost Tower, then the Spaghetti Warehouse, the Speakeasy, and then a great story about the first heavily documented serial killer in America who allegedly may have been Jack the Ripper, who may have resided in Austin, Texas as a butcher prior to moving to Europe. Just when I thought I couldn't wait any longer, we turned the corner, and there the Driscoll sat, waiting for her story to be told. Having done research on the hotel prior to staying, I was expecting the guide to bring up the death of Samantha Houston and the creepy painting of her located in the building. However, I apparently hadn't done enough research, because there were not one but two additional stories that I found particularly sinister that I had not heard prior. The Suicide Brides, he began. Long story short, it's believed that two young women who were in the hotel for their honey rooms had both committed suicide by gruesomely shooting themselves in the stomach and bleeding out into the bathtub. The craziest part is that they both stayed in room number 525, and both had taken their lives in the same bathtub exactly 20 years apart. I have a habit of getting really excited to stay at haunted hotels, and then after taking the ghost tour, I get pretty freaked out. It wouldn't stop me from staying the night, but I would be lying if I said I wasn't ready for a drink or six as a precaution to sleep peacefully through the night. <laughs> same. Completely same. We headed to the Driscoll Bar and enjoyed the busy atmosphere. 
discussing all of the new things we just learned. After I finally felt all warm and fuzzy, it was time to go find the famous painting of Samantha Houston on the fifth floor. The floor level we were staying on was a straight hallway and nothing more. When we exited the elevator onto the fifth and saw the straight hall in front of us, I thought it must be pretty similar and we would find the painting in no time. I looked to my right expecting to see a wall similar to the eighth level, but instead was met with yet another long hall. My curiosity pulled me down the mystery hall, so we veered right and began walking. About midway, I was met by another opening to yet another long hallway. Wow, the fifth floor was like a maze. We wondered for a bit. I sang her name as we stepped quietly through. Samantha, I giggled drunkly. Where are you? My eyes finally met with hers. She gazed at me as if she had heard me calling for her. Her eyes had no evil in them. She was pure innocence. Her eyes were big and beautiful, much like that of a deer. I filmed from afar and slowly walked up to the painting. We took a few photos, then headed up to the room, completely forgetting about room 525, which... I'm actually 100% okay with. We settled in our room and talked a bit about the night until we got too tired to stay up any longer. Before getting into bed, I pulled my camcorder off the charger, turned it on, and confirmed it had 100% battery, and placed it on the tripod and began filming the night. It had to be roughly 2 a.m. when I was awoken by a fly buzzing around my face. I watched him zoom back and forth and then I finally slapped him down. I grabbed my phone and turned on the flashlight, where I then shined the light onto my hand and could see what was left of, his, of the fly and his blood. I don't remember a lot after that. I must have fallen back asleep. I must have been dreaming, because the next time I quote-unquote woke up, I was standing in the corner of the room, right about where my tripod was set up. I looked at the bed, and there I saw my husband and myself sleeping. I stood there frozen. My husband was sleeping in a normal position, but my head was halfway down the mattress and my feet hanging off the bottom. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, and I can't even explain how. It didn't feel like a long time after that. I seemed to have woken up, now back in bed, and I began screaming and crying hysterically. My husband turned over and comforted me, and I laid there, awake for quite some time until I fell back asleep. Again, I find myself standing in the corner of the room, in the same spot as before. But this time was different. I could see my husband in bed, and to be quite honest, I don't recall whether I was in bed with him or not, because my attention was on the other side of the room. From the corner I was standing in, I had a clear shot into the powder room and bathroom, where I saw a woman dressed in housekeeper clothes. I could tell from that moment that her outfit was not from our time. She crossed the door frame from the powder room with a vacuum and went into the bathroom where I could no longer see her. 
She then took a step backwards, back into the doorframe, as if she perhaps had seen something that caught her attention and looked right at me. She had dark hair that was pulled back, and she stood there in silence. She was clearly there, right in front of my eyes, but she had this washed-out presence about her. She was not bright, just illuminating some form of dim bluish low light that looked like she was fading. The exchange of looks had me feeling as though I was the one watching her, and she then carried on her duties out of my sight. Finally, it was daylight the next time I woke up. Despite feeling as though I was hit by a bus and got absolutely no rest, I had never been so excited for morning, and the first thing I did was turn over to my husband, exhausted. I started by explaining the weird fly that woke me up, and then proceeded to ask if he remembered me waking him up crying. He said he was 100% sure that he had not been woken up, nor did he hear me crying or screaming. After this, I realized maybe I had been dreaming when I thought I was awake. I was completely lost in my own reality. I then remembered that I had been recording the whole night, and I rushed to the camcorder and pulled it off the tripod to review my footage. Upon powering on the camcorder, I was greeted with a corrupt file message. I was in disbelief about the events that took place the night before, and now I would never know if I had caught something on video. I saw no blood anywhere, or any remnants of a fly. No evidence of the events that took place. I was defeated and terrified that I had to stay at this hotel room for another night. The close of this story is this. I did not record the second night because I felt as though maybe that provoked whatever I experienced the night prior. After more drinking and lots of lights on, I managed to sleep on night two with no disturbances. When we returned home, I was having trouble sleeping for about four days because I kept having this feeling that I was being watched. It finally shook off in time and I am recharged and ready to check out another haunted location. But this was definitely something I did not expect and will never forget. Well, that was wild. A lot of equipment will typically malfunction during a paranormal event. Sometimes spirits do not like to be recorded. Just like, you know, you and I, we probably wouldn't enjoy somebody recording us. But I've heard of a lot of uh, equipment malfunctioning during paranormal investigations. Lots of times the batteries will drain, um, files will be corrupted, things won't record. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. And several people, several investigators, just all over the place... There's lots of encounters and stories and tales of people having their electronics just completely fuck up during a paranormal investigation. And even for those who do record overnight, who do stay in these haunted hotels, they do actually have things happen to where (laughs) the fucking batteries on their cameras or phones just drain like that. And they can be at 100%. 
I've seen it on multiple occasions while watching other paranormal investigators go about and do their thing. And, you know, as far as recording spirits without their permission, you know, I don't really know, I don't know how to explain that. I mean, if it's an intelligent entity or an intelligent spirit, I guess maybe that would make sense. But if it's something that, like this maid right here sounds kind of like a residual type thing, especially if she's continuing on her duties as she would. But <laughs> who knows? Who knows? The paranormal is a very, very phenomenal area that we just don't know a whole lot about. And I've said it before. My Lord and Savior, Zach Bagans, has said many times that we don't understand. For the recording to not have recorded, I believe it. I believe it 100%. But, I mean, it's clearly, it, it's up to the listener of the story whether or not this phenomenon is true and accurate. Because we only have the witness. The husband was asleep. He did not experience anything. There were no other people in the room. So we only have what the person went through to have had this experience. So whether or not we choose to believe it is entirely up to the individual. Personally, as I've said, I've seen this. So I believe that that's true. I 100% believe that this happened. However, as far as rec not recording the second night, I think maybe should have asked for permission and then record or something like that. Some form of respect, just not record. But for the fact that they weren't able to sleep for a few nights afterwards, I would like to think that they may or may not have had some kind of attachment. Maybe that fly was some kind of omen. <laughs> kind of like on the ring. You know, you watch the movie, you get the phone call, and then there's a scene where there's like a fucking fly on the screen or something like that, and you can like grab it. Something like that. Like some weird thing like that. I don't know. This is, uh, I would like to experience it for myself just to see. I am pretty sure I'm going to find myself going to the Driscoll Hotel and just exploring, finding it. And you know, there's actually a, um, a ghost tour out in the stockyards that I would very much love to go on. Hintity hint hint to anybody listening. <laughs> you know who you are. But that's the five stories I have. The posters who did these stories, I'm going to give them credit because why not? Uh, because I'm using their story. So the first one is the user It Ain't Time from Ask Reddit. The next one is Vote for Betty 31, also on Ask Reddit. The third one is M. Somerville J on Creepy Encounters. Then we have, I can't say this one, Yauki Yauki. And finally, Love em By, all on Reddit. Sorry, those names were a little weird for me to read. So they posted on here, I love to give credit to the people who you know i mean it's just it's just right you're using their shit give them credit these stories were creepy particularly that last one that one's pretty unsettling i enjoyed it that was a very good read for me and i hope that you guys enjoyed me telling the story and or attempting to tell the story because 
<laughs> you know. So as far as the next episode, I'm not sure if it's going to be another Reddit. I'm not sure if I'm going to lean in towards some kind of cryptid for the holidays, uh, Krampus. I'm not sure where I'm going to, what direction I'm going to go, but just be ready. I'm very holiday this season. I'm very excited about the holidays. I don't know why. I just am. This is new for me. I don't know fucking why, okay? So whatever is to happen is to happen. And I really hope that you guys are enjoying this little break from like what I typically talk about. I know I'm enjoying it because I mean, I'm having fun. I like to do all this stuff. So for the next episode, I hope you guys are ready because this one is going to be one to make your skin crawl for sure. That's all I can say about that. And that's all I'm willing to say. If you have any story suggestions or location suggestions or any experiences of your own, you can message me on Alex again with two underscores or paranormalartist.podcast or you can send me an email at paranormalartistpodcast at gmail.com. And no, I don't have Facebook. I don't plan on getting Facebook. I freaking hate Facebook. (laughs) All right, guys. Until next time. As you know, I have to do it every single episode just because I have to do it. If you're feeling suicidal or you're having suicidal ideation, call or text 988. They're open 24-7, 365 days a year, and they're ready to help you. I know the holiday season can be tough. A lot of us have seasonal depression. A lot of us deal with these mental demons that just feel like they're too heavy to bear some days. So just know that you are not alone and that there are other people who are going through it also. So if you're feeling any sort of way, call or text 988. Or you can go to your local emergency room and they will do their best to help you out there as well. Be kind. It doesn't take that much effort to be a good human.